Welcome everybody to another episode of Float, Float Your Boat. Boat. This is George Sabados. Brett Pattinson. He's somebody like that. Yes. So who do we have on today, Brady boy? Today we have a chap named Michael Delaney. Michael, Michael Delaney. Mick. Mick. Tricky Mickey. Mickey D. Mickey D. Mickey D. Okay. Or Magic Mike. And what's he famous for? He's famous for many things. Like? So I've heard, but I have never seen it. Well, give us an example. I can't because it's a physical thing, so, you know. Yeah, well, I do know that I've seen his face around and he's a, he's a great communicator, strapping young lad. He is. And, and he's uh, very committed to, uh, you know, giving back to the local community, so. He is. Yes, yes, yes he's, a, he's a, one of the trainers at Bondi uh, Surf Club. Oh, is he? That's how we know him. Correct. And uh, he he does a lot of stuff around the club outside of just being a patrolling member. Mm-hmm. And he's the head trainer for my bronze medallion course, which I'm, you know, as you know, I was shitting myself about doing. That's um, right. And then we did an episode with Dory Miller and Nick Nesval and Dory's story gave me the inspiration to actually stop being soft and mm. actually do the course. Because you thought to yourself if she could swim the channel twice, you could at the very least just swim a, 200 metres. <laughs> a complete a bronze course, yes. And, you, and and it's worked for you. You've, it has. You've slimmed down, you're fitter. I have. I've lost three kilos yeah. and uh, I still find it tough because I've got 15 years on the next person in our group and so they're all a bit younger and uh, svelter and fitter but um, I'm, I'm keeping well, up. Well, those three kilos you lost, I found. So if you want them back, anytime. I can't even see Donnie in the control room at the moment. Can't see around me. (laughs) It's like a blue screen. I I could come in front of you because you've got a blue shirt on and I could do stuff and we could then superimpose. Stop it. Stop it. Let's just get Mike in, shall we? We'll get Mike in. All right. Come on, Mike. Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. So for all our listeners out there, I I call this gentleman Magic Mike and there's a reason for it. I don't think he he, he is a Magic Mike. No? No. Million Dollar Mike? He's a gentleman for a start. Oh, okay. Yes, he is. And he's very good at what he does. But... Don't worry about our banter. Not a problem. But we really need to know, what do you do? Um, At the moment... Very little. I was made redundant recently, but uh, um, within the surf club, 
several things. Uh, one of the things I'm doing at the moment is uh, training a bronze group, um, which is a lot of fun, and we can certainly get more into that. And some other roles that help just on the generic volunteering spectrum within the, the club, so helping out mm. with the gear and education and obviously patrols. Yeah, let's wind, let's wind the clock back yeah. and, and talk about I where hear, you grew up. I hear you come from the bush. Not quite the bush, but uh, it is pretty wild. I grew up in sunny Blacktown. Well, I'm going back to Blacktown. My one and only Blacktown girl. Yeah. Western Sydney. Um, always loved the water, I guess, and I think it was, you know, by the time I was old enough to move out, I'd pretty much move straight to the beach. I was uh, moved to the northern beaches and living in Brookvale there. I was working for a company, Dell Computer, who were based in French's Forest, so yeah. it was a perfect opportunity for me to move. Um, and, yeah, loved the ocean ever since I could remember. I did... Uh, I was always in the water growing up, so, you know, swimming squad and all those kind of things. I actually did... Uh, my bronze medallion in 1994, um, but it was pool-based, so certainly nothing to the level of, of what we do on the beaches here. Um, and, yeah, I think it was, it was a wonderful place to grow up, lots of parks and lots of sporting activities, um, a lot of families and that kind of stuff, but certainly getting older, you know, late teens, early 20s, it's not... I don't know. For me, anyway, it wasn't the place I wanted to be. Um, I needed a little bit more excitement, more things to do, experience life a little bit more, and there's not really that much out there, unless you want to go to an RSL or a workers' club. Did you, uh, did you have brothers... You've got brothers and sisters? I've got two elder sisters. Uh, yep, yeah, so they're... Uh, one lives uh, not far from the family home um, in Borkham Hills. Uh, she's got a, a husband and two lovely sons. And then I've got a sister that lives up in Cairns with a few kids. So, uh, Mum and Dad still alive? They're still alive, still <laughs> together. Um, surprised that um, they go on a lot of cruises and uh, I'm surprised my mother hasn't pushed my father off one yet. I'm sure she's been tempted. Oh, many times, many times. I think it's building up to it. Um, yeah, they're still there. They're still happy. They're both happily retired now and enjoying the, the spoils of uh, all their work throughout life and just uh, taking it easy as they deserve to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we underestimate what our parents do for us when they, yeah. they get you through. Well, they've got you here to where mm. you are, so you know, which is a good place. So, and you know. and, and you, you know, you're genetically gifted in that you, uh, you tan very well. Rather than <laughs> rather than roast, because you do spend a lot of hours out there. Yeah, well, so, yeah it's uh, and that's by choice, definitely. I mean, what better than waking up every morning and going for a swim? It's a perfect way to, to start a day. And thankfully, uh, regarding the skin, I had my check the other day and got a hundred percent. That's always nice. <laughs> and uh, doctor confirmed, I think it was a type C skin type, which is the well. That just means that you don't burn. Uh, for a Caucasian person, that's, that's oh, pretty right. good. Yeah. Okay. Is there yeah. any? Uh, is there any um, Latin blood in there somewhere? Or? There, there could well be. Uh, my mother's side of the family is uh, predominantly Anglo, so uh, English, Irish, Scottish. Yep. Um, came over uh, generations ago. Hmm. Um, not sure about my father's side. He was adopted. Uh, we believe uh, the, the long-held story within the family was that he was adopted within his family, uh, Catholic Irish uh, family right. they were, hence Delaney. You can sort of pick it up there. <laughs> um, so if that was the case, then, you know, they were pre predominantly Irish, which means by all rights I should be 
fair skin no, with no, orange no, hair. No, or, no or not at all. Black hair. So, not at all. Yeah. You know, when the Spanish Armada went to invade, so. invade England, they, they got caught up in a storm. They tried to circle around half the Armada, tried to circle around the UK and right. come in from behind. Uh, but they got caught in a storm and got washed washed onto the shores of Ireland and there were about 30,000 of them or a lot of them anyway yeah, right. and they mingled with the locals and a lot of them ended up being swarthy. There you go. Mm, there you go. I love your history, um, your history bits every now and then, George. You'll cut that out, I bet. And you like coming in from behind us, just like <laughs> in Spanish Armada, right? <laughs> <laughs> Only with goats, but right? Man... <laughs> Being Greek and don't all. Don't make fun of my ancestry. <laughs> I might cut that out, but I, think, I probably I think you won't. Might. Is it where there's smoke, there's fire? <laughs> <laughs> Some friction at least. <laughs> oh, 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 that, that is nasty. Can you continue on with the interview, okay? Yeah, okay? Sorry, sorry, we digress. It's not about us, it's so, about so Mike. I, I, the reason I wanted to do this interview is mm. because... Michael, as I know him, is one of our head trainers for the bronze group, which you know that yep. I was shitting myself about Which doing. George decided not to turn up we, to. That's Apparently. correct. Yeah. Soft SC <laughs> over there. Um, and, and Dory got me over the line by telling her story and I thought, if you can't do the bronze, Brett, you're a bloody soft cock like George. So. <laughs> and the Thanks, first, mate. And, and I have spent mornings with Michael out on the boards and we've both lamented about how great it is that we get mm. to get get to go out there on a sunny day and catch waves. I mean, it's a fantastic thing. It's been been a fantastic thing for me. Mm. Um, and you've missed out. And you've um, reinvigorated your memories of surfing and it waves. Has. And, and you know, you know, I want to get back out on the board with Len and my son, and I'm fit enough now, almost. You don't, mm. you don't still, look it. Still you're telling me this morning. You certainly look the same. I don't know. <laughs> I've lost three kilos. He hasn't changed shape, has he, Mike? Oh, no, I thought you would have driven him harder. No, he's doing very well, actually. He's the uh, the, the surprise. He, um, I'm not sure that I should say this given the, the comments that were just made, but he comes up from behind and really <laughs> pushes through the water. <laughs> <laughs> he's been hanging around me too, yeah, too long. Potentially. But, 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 you know, he, he is a bit of a dark horse in the sense that he always uh, pushes the mantra... It's about consistency. Just absolutely, plug away, yeah. plug away, plug away, and you'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of the, I think, the great things that you find being a member of the club and, and certainly the education activities there is um, there is such a diverse range of people that come along and um, you very quickly lose um, that predisposition of people. Um, you know, you... you you can quite easily look at someone and, and think that they're a certain way or, or believe that they're not going to be good at something. And mm. that very quickly gets dispelled when you start going through the process of training someone with the bronze and other activities around the club because those people physically that you, you think, you know, they wouldn't be able to swim to save their life, they tend to be a dolphin in the water. Mm. Or those people um, in, a, in a social aspect that you think may be a bit of a wallflower, uh, you'll see that when it comes to the crunch and... Uh, the pressures put on them, they're the ones that come to the fore. And, and um, it's, a, it's amazing for me personally, um, being part of this, uh, it's opened my eyes in, in regards to um, not being... Judgmental is a, is a harsh word, but that's exactly what it is, you know, removing the um, judgmental aspect of 
of communication or, or um, uh, introductions to people and that kind of stuff, yeah. if that makes sense. You know, I, agree. <clears throat> I totally agree with that. I think, um, you know, often it, it, it's the great leveller doing a course like this because mm. it's, um, it puts everybody on the same level. Because even if they, th if you think you know what you're doing, you don't. <laughs> well, well, Mike, let's go back a little bit because I mean, what I what I discovered through observing Brett is that is that it's physically a lot more demanding than I would have thought. I thought theoretically demanding, sure, but not as physically demanding. Mm -hmm. um, you, when did you do your bronze? Uh, obviously, when you were younger and fitter. Yeah, so the first time I did it uh, was in 1994. First uh, time? Yeah, so that was at school. I was in year uh, year 10, I think, at the time. Um, so we, that was part of our selective sport, uh, yep. as, you, as you do, what your children do at school. Mm -hmm. um, and then never really did anything with it because I was uh, living inland and that kind of stuff. Um, and I'd been living on the northern beaches and uh, then moved down to, to Bondi for the past... 15 years apart from a short break in the UK and always surfing, going to the beach and always in the back of my head thinking I need to do it again. And then I think uh, last year it was. Um, I was the second group of the last season that came through. So I've only had my bronze for the second time now for just over a year. So within, within a year you yeah. became an instructor. Yeah. You loved it that much. Yeah, for me... It, there was a there was a multitude of reasons that I did it. Like I really did enjoy it. Absolutely, the the um, meeting new people and and you know um, developing that uh, sort of community network is, is a great thing. Uh, one of the things that I did miss, believe it or not, um, living out west was the fact that you knew your neighbours and you knew what was going on. There was a sense of community there, and uh, certainly uh, I don't know if it's a sign of the times or just uh, as we get older we get more insular, but. Uh, I have noticed that there is no, uh, there's a lot less of a community aspect in, like I live up in Bondi Junction, our neighbours don't talk as, as much as you try and this was, um, coming down here was great because you got to start to know the people again and, and know the community again and that kind of stuff. So there was that, but also uh, apart from enjoying the water, um, Helping people train, you know, there's, there's, there's a personal benefit from that. You see their, their um, acceleration, their achievement, you know, you can take pride in helping them get there. But also uh, one of the great things about it was it just reiterated everything that I learned when I went through the course. Um, and then as you're training people, you actually learn a lot from those people that, that you're training as well. And all of those, those things actually be uh, quite transferable in your professional life. So... Uh, you know, all the things that I've learned with training people and um, I guess dropping the, the, the barriers of prejudgment and all that kind of stuff has certainly played its way into my professional life as well. So. And, and, and Mike, um, how has it impacted on your life? Um, yeah, it's been very positive. I think um, uh, one of the things that uh, was going on for me personally uh, when I joined the club was, um, again, I joined for a multitude of reasons. Um, one of the things that was happening uh, with me at the time, I was, I was uh, extremely dissatisfied and uh, unhappy with my uh, employer at the time. Um, there were, without going into too much detail, I started to feel a certain emotional um, downfalls from being in that environment. Mm. 
Um, and I found that um, I, wasn't, I wasn't achieving anything. I, I didn't feel as though uh, there were many positive things that I was achieving in my life at the time uh, because I'd spent most of my time at work and there, there wasn't anything fantastic there. Uh, but joining the club, it was great because, you know, I met a lot of people. There was a lot of positivity. There was um, the things that I was achieving were for a greater purpose as well. Um, and that sort of helped me uh, manage my way through the work process at the time. And thankfully, I, I was made redundant from that role. Um, yeah, so it, it, was, it was a good thing when I joined, yeah. But again, there were many reasons and that was one of them. Yeah. So have you had any rescues? Yes, yeah. Um, some. So... The rescues are a funny thing. Uh, you could be walking along the beach not really paying attention to what's going on and, and get involved, and that's um, happened a couple of times. Probably uh, the more significant ones, there was once that there were um, seven younger children from the inner city uh, that looked to be out here by themselves, and they got caught in a rip. Um, just at Backpackers, just a little bit north of Backpackers, and it was quite strong that day. The tide was going out at the time. And they were, uh, you could see them getting dragged out and you could see them start to swim back against the rip, obviously not knowing uh, what was happening in the water. And the youngest there would have been about seven or eight. So Really? Uh, yeah, they were quite young. It was, it was disturbing in its own right, the fact that these were unsupervised children out there in you know, what was a bit of a dangerous day. Um, but it got to the point where... Uh, you, obviously you monitor, you don't, I, I, my way of patrolling is not to jump on something as soon as it happens, is to monitor and see if they can correct themselves or, or whatever, they couldn't in this case. So out I went on the, um, the rescue board and, and um, out the back, probably by this stage they would have been about 120 metres out, 150 metres out, like that. they'd gone out a, a fair bit. And um, yeah, seven kids hanging off the rescue board. So, um, which was quite interesting. One of the great things about it though, we, um, the kids, um, as scared as they were, and, and obviously um, everybody deals with fear in different ways. Some people laugh about it, some people get angry about it, some people brush it off. Um, the kids, to, to start with, when we got back into shore, they were very excited, they were elated because I had to call the IRB and they got to go on the boat and that kind of stuff. But one of the things that, that stuck me with, with that particular situation was, when the children came back in, they weren't so full of themselves as people can be in these situations that they actually took a moment to listen to what was going on. So I spent the next five or ten minutes explaining to them you know, what was going on with them and why they were in that situation, what they need to do in the future. And the fact that um, by all rights these kids could have just walked away, walked away and given me the finger or whatever, right, <laughs> um, which is quite common. Um, but they actually took the time and... and um, even though some were laughing about it and some were a little bit, you know, shy about being um, rescued, they all took the, the time to understand exactly what that situation was. And I knew that six out of those seven, if not all seven of those, walked away with a lesson that day, yeah. that next time they come back, they'll either save themselves or they'll know what to do if they see that happen again to one of their friends. Just, yeah. And hopefully in their minds, a couple of them might think, wow, maybe one day I'll have to, I should do the bronze medallion or I should do a course at the club. You know, that's, that, you know, that sort of stuff can have an imp a huge impact on your life, you know. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. And I think one of the, uh, I've noticed on a, on a sort of separate conversation, one of the things that the, I've noticed the club is trying to do is certainly 
branch out into those communities, um, in, you know, whether it be in the bush or in a city or, or uh, different religious groups and that kind of stuff to, um, you know, to, to raise awareness of surf conditions, but it's a lot more than that. Um, I think it also circles back to raising awareness of communities and the diversity of people that we have and, you know, building that. It's, yeah, <clears throat> the community part of it's a huge part of mm. it for me. That, you know, I think giving back to the community is a really important thing. And like you say, people these days, you can live next door to somebody for 10 years and barely say hello to them. Mm. You know, that doesn't happen at our surf club. Everybody is is uh, welcomes you with open arms. Mm. You know? And yeah. I'm sure most of the surf clubs are like that. Yeah. I know that when George and I are doing clean oceans, we're doing clubs all the way down the coast and all the way up the coast and they are all different but the one thing they all have in common common is surf life saving and the bond that that creates. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for, look, I'm going to take you back a step, just sure. a step. You mentioned backpackers. Now, that's not a hostel. Um, <laughs> you want to explain what that is? Yeah, so... Um, Quick two-minute listen. There's uh, several types of rips that are on the beach. There's um, a topological rip, which is basically around the rocks because those rocks don't move. Um, and there's something called a fixed rip. A uh, fixed rip is generally in the same space but moves up and down the beach. And there is one at Bondi in the south end called Backpackers. The reason it's called Backpackers, for those that don't know, is there is a hostel literally across the road from where this rip starts. And the backpackers go, whoop, we're in Bondi, let's have some fun. They walk straight down to the, in, onto the beach into the water and, generally speaking, into the water where Backpackers Rip is. And uh, there is quite often a bit of trouble there. Uh, yeah. So they do a beeline. They don't deviate straight, yeah. in, straight, straight in. from the And the, usually they've probably had a few. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. some funny It always helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, look, you know, um, and, and what did you actually tell those kids that day in, in order for them to know how to deal with that situation again? It was, I think it was the basics, uh, if I recall. It was, um, okay, kids, you knew you were in trouble, so the first thing we do when we're in trouble is we put our hand up for help, you know, which they didn't want to do for whatever reason, whether they thought they'd get in trouble or they didn't know or uh, they were embarrassed. The second thing was uh, to go and explain how the water works at beaches, you know, explain that it's very different to what they experience in a pool. Um, so we talked about how rips work and what they need to do when they get in there and, and often the best thing to do is to just relax yeah, and wait for help. Um, but actually pointed, you know, t took a little bit more time to point out how they could recognise those things on the beach as well. And um, you know, that five minutes, again, I hope that, you know, that five minutes that I gave them is something that they'll remember in the future. Mm. Yeah. George, mm. do you know what to do if you're in a rip? See? Just let go, let go and, and then swim sideways. Yeah, and what else? I'm just testing myself here. Well, and what else? Well, <laughs> Staying like, calm is important. Well, yeah, but don't panic, just let go, let go. It's, it's the easiest, don't fight it, go with it. Call for help. Well, you know, call for help if you can. I mean, if you're 200 metres out, it's going to be hard, but you just wave around like a, like a frantic beast. Well, there's a common uh, misconception, actually. The, uh, the rips will only take you out so far, and that's generally only out to the back of the, of the break. So people, the, there is a common misconception that if you get caught in a rip, you'll get taken out to New Zealand. Kind of thing, you know, obviously, <laughs> a, a bit of a broad No, but, but it can be 150 uh, to 200 metres out, and uh, that's a long way out to be yelling for, for Depends help. on where the break is, but, yeah, I guess it could. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But mind you, George, you know, a, a rip to take you that far out, it'd have to be pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Greenpeace might well, tell you back out. a flotation device, by the way, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I'll float. The Rainbow Warrior might come and drag you back out. Well, I just remember when Stop I... Stop the harpooning from the Japanese. No, that's not really... That's not funny. That's not funny. <laughs> but I do remember when we were trying to swim from north to south... I went in one day um, at the southern end and it took me way out and it was easy from there just to traverse the beach. It's great. Yeah, it was actually. That was when you were fit. Yes. I'm still, I still am reasonably fit. I'll, you know, I'll, look, you know, this is, this is all going reasonably towards... Reasonably fit. Th- this conversation is going towards priming me for the next, next course. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, so, so I'll give it a crack. And, I, and how many of these do you do a year, Mike? Oh, so last year, again, I did the, um, redid my bronze last year. I did, uh, um, I did, I got involved in three. So um, I did it, what they call a lightning course, which is basically the SRC, so the, the young children that are moving on to their bronze. I did a course with them and then I ran, I sort of lead on the last course of the season um, and then I helped with another one. So this season I'll be... Um, I'm doing the course with Brett at the moment. I'll be helping with the lightning again, which starts in a week. And then we're actually introducing um, our curriculum or um, our process to Tamarama, uh, which is quite interesting. So I'll be going to lead a course over in Tamarama and show them how we do it at Bondi and hopefully they can, um, you know, take some of those learnings. Great. Um, That's fantastic. But you, um, this is not a paid gig? No, not at all. Um, Again, I enjoy it because I get to be in the water. Um, It's a great thing to do on weekends. Um, I've I've been with my partner for 10 years. She has different hobbies and interests to me. Uh, So when it comes to the the weekend, she works very hard in the week and likes to relax, whereas I work very hard in the weekend. I like to go and um, get rid of that energy um, and, and, you know, be with people. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great thing to do. I, I, yeah, it's volunteer. I enjoy doing it and I will continue to do it for, for some time, I think. Your partner sounds like my partner who doesn't like to get sand between her toes. Pretty and, much her. Yeah, I, yeah or her, ruin her hairstyle. Absolutely. Her idea of a beach is a lake. Uh, yeah. yeah. We, we sh- yeah. We're not sharing the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Police, gentlemen. Mm. <laughs> Yes. Well, um, so what's next, Mike? Um, I'm not sure. I think uh, enjoy the summer. Obviously, we're, we're really only just getting started in it. I think um, once I finish with your course, I'll do another couple of education things, but maybe I'll throw my hat into the competition ring and see what happens there. I think you should. Haven't, haven't all the presidents of the club um, come from doing a bronze? I they think have, I, haven't they? I think most, most of the um, c- committee... C- the board of management, I think, originally would have... That's a prerequisite, right? Uh, uh, not necessarily, but right. but I think most of them have done their bronze. I was just going to say that, you know, you could be a, a budding budding president in the, in the waiting. Well, I don't so. think I'm ready to take over Jacob's job. No, no, no not necessarily. Well, not necessarily <laughs> straight might... after Jacob, yeah. but, you know, you could line it up over the next ten years or something like that. We'll see how we go. Obviously, if I'm still living in Bondi, I'd still like to be giving back and, and that... that... Could certainly well, be you're something. very presentable and you speak well. You're a good communicator. 
That's uh, true. Yes, uh, you know, Mike's the gear a, steward this year, which is a a bit yeah. of a shit job because yeah, you right. have to deal with people not taking care of the gear, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, and it's, that, that is frustrating, right, Mike? It, it is a frustrating thing, but I think um, what we've learnt, and, and it's just human nature, if um, if it can be someone else's problem, particularly now in today's society, it will mm. be someone else's problem. Mm. There was, um, th- there's a great reference to this in a, in a, uh, a it's a book by uh, Maxwell Gladstone called The Tipping Point and it, and it brings out, it is literally human nature and, and the scenario starts with um, two people in an office, in a, in a raised office, looking at a crime happening on the, on the street, so someone's getting burgled, I think it was. And when there was two people in the office, they both immediately took action. So one p- person picked up the phone and called the police, the other person yelled out the window, went down the stairs, whatever it is, and then they doubled the amount of uh, people, witnesses, in, in the office to four. And there were still people actively engaged in, in that situation, Then they doubled it to eight. And I think it was when they got to 16 um, that pretty much the whole office just started looking at each other and pointing the finger, well, why aren't you doing something? Well, mm. shouldn't you be doing something? Mm. It's not my problem. There's other people here to, to deal with this. I'm just going to, you know, worry about me. And, again, human nature, and that's exactly what happens um, in the club with, with the gear. Um, so Somebody yeah. else will do it, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And, and the gear steward is one of those roles that you get voluntold that you do. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. If, uh, so if people want to get involved in the bronze course, how do they do that, Mike? Well, um, yeah, it's, it's very easy. There's um, bondisurfclub.com is the website to go to and there's information on that website about how to get involved. I think this year will be, by the end of the season, we'll have run eight bronze courses, either seven or eight bronze courses. So there's always a way to get involved. We've got, uh, they generally uh, will be one weeknight um, and half a weekend day Mm. uh, for a period of eight weeks. Um, And then there's two others that go for three consecutive weekends and, and... uh, one that goes for a week solid. But very easy, yeah. Uh, go on to bondisurfclub.com, uh, re- send an email. There, there's, uh, I think, an application form on there where you can uh, register your interest. Or alternatively, if you know anyone at the club, just come and chat to us and, you know, they'll introduce you to the right people and get you on board as, as soon as possible. Well, just just a question on the, 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 the various courses that are offered or yeah. the, um, you know, the, the way you sequence the days. The... the the short, short one. Yep. The, it's called... A the Lightning Bronze. Would you like to um, come on that? Because, no, no, George, I'll tell you what, if you do, that means you can graduate with Brett there. Well, I, well my question was going to be... Uh, when do you how start? Physically well, Monday the 9th. <laughs> Monday the 9th. Um, how physically oh, 10th, sorry, yeah. demanding would that be in that week? Uh, it's, actually, that's that's one thing I sort of skirted over. Um, the uh, uh, prerequisite for you to be able to um, take part in the bronze course is you must be able to swim 400 metres uh, in a pool, so it's not too bad, in under nine minutes. So it's as long as you have uh, got a modicum of fitness about you and you know how to swim, you can uh, pretty easily do that. Um, that's basically a minute, a lap with a minute rest at the end of it. Um, if you're feeling unsure about it, just go for a couple of swims and you can make that time up very quickly. What you will find also is that um, during the course you will become a lot fitter. You're, you're, if you're just a, um, a sort of normal person that doesn't go to the gym every day and that kind of stuff, your level of fitness will significantly improve by the end of the course. 
at the end of the course is um, uh, one last thing that you need to do apart from um, doing all the theory and all the, the scenarios on the beach in regards to rescues and, and that kind of stuff is um, a physical component that um, shows that you're physically capable of performing a rescue and that's um, called a run, swim, run. So that's a 200 metre run on soft sand, 200 metre swim in the ocean, 200 metre soft sand run in under eight minutes. Um, I struggle to think of someone that can't do that after the eight weeks. Yeah, because you do, again, get quite fit as a result of it. But, um, but if you had to pack that into one week, though, um, I'm telling that, would you, be a, that would be a stretch. George, I reckon you're the kind of guy that could move mountains, mate, so I think that uh, we'll get you involved. <laughs> He's being very generous. <laughs> he obviously doesn't know you very well. Um, no, but seriously, yeah, if, 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 you, um, if you are struggling with that swim, yeah. Um, initially to get on there, that week would be a bit of a challenge because it's also a very, very physical week. You're, you're cramming a lot of activities into one week. Um, so by Thursday, you're pretty sore. Mm. Come Saturday when you do the actual assessment, it's, uh, yeah. It's a stretch. There's, there's muscles you didn't know you had. Yeah, right. Or that right. you forgot you had. Michael, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, thank you.